Uh, hey, this is CJ from Jeb Bush for President.com. And who the heck is this Dollar Hyde guy? Dollar Moore. Sorry, did I say Dollar Hyde? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, once again, thank you for joining us. Episode 166 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, as always, the disco queen herself, my lovely and intelligent, talented co-host, Brittany Page. Um, yep. I, I'm not sure why you're <laughs> bringing up the disco thing again. Well, it's the last several shows. You've been, this is going to be a surprise to you. <laughs> but to you've, me? You've been, you know, like some like wrestlers, they, they put on headphones and they get psyched up. They play music to... To get themselves motivated and kind of in the game. Yeah. In the zone. Mm -hmm. And you do the same thing. And it kind of bleeds over onto me because I'm listening to your... It's not private like <laughs> headphones. You you blast. Well, for instance, this was our song today to get ready for the program. <laughs> Spinners. The spinners. The best. Rubber band man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know why you act like you hate it, because it I, is the greatest music of all time. I didn't act like I hated it at all. And it's also not just Hang on, prepping wanna, for the show. I it's, would like, it's music I listen to all the time. I would like the record to reflect that I don't hate it, and I didn't say or act like... I hate it. Okay. I find it enjoyable. And it's because <laughs> of my long relationship with you that I've come to really appreciate that genre mm -hmm. of, of music. Yes. I think people generally S on disco, but I think they don't really understand it. They S on it, but not on its D. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Remove the D from the equation. It is a much different conversation. But I do. I really enjoy that, eh, you know, that style of music now. Maybe not. I don't enjoy it like you do. Because for you, it can be almost a spiritual experience. Like when we went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire at the Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. You cried and not even at a slow emotional song. Yeah. Because you grew up listening to this, mm -hmm. you know. Is that song considered disco, do you think? I don't know. I think it's just... You know, 70s. Yeah, 70s R&B. Yeah, R&B, which kind of led into disco. Mm -hmm. It's 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 all it's the R&B without all the political mumbo jumbo. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, easy going love music. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Happiness. Yeah, for sure. Good happiness. times, feel good. Right, and so and it is. It can be kind of a motivating, you know. No, for sure not. It's good. Real, real good. 
You have to get grooving when you hear that song. It's a party. Yes. And I guess you're just preparing us mm-hmm. for the party that is to come. Uh, on the show. On the show, of course. Yes, Every yes. show is a party. Mm-hmm. On I Doubt It with Dollamore. We try our best. Apparently, <laughs> apparently we got some feedback, though, that last episode we had some, um, how was it described? Tension or? Yeah, tension or like playful. Banter? I don't know. What was it? You've got the computer and the internet up right now. It was It was Dave from the Indispensable Thursday show who said that there was a little conflict. What, what's the word he used? In describing our back and forth. You guys were particularly feisty and comically combative on yesterday's show. I dug it. Oh, yeah. I think he was probably talking about my making fun of you for your your handwriting. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. See, I couldn't remember what we talked about already. Like, that is how quickly <laughs> I forget about what happens on the episode. But Or maybe it's just that we... We are so combative with one another all the time. No. That you just don't remember well, what I shit about your handwriting. That's the thing. I was a little concerned when he said that. I said, oh, no, were we combative? Because, you know, we don't want to make that one reviewer mad who, you know, wants me to be a delicate lady. and, and <laughs> um, Yeah, that guy's shit out of luck. And that's not, not have happening. the disagreement happening. Right. So I was a little concerned about that. Well, we will try to provide you with more comic conflict as time goes on. On the party that is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Uh, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to hear it again. So, um, one more admonition before we move on. I We have started to receive Thanksgiving Day episode messages of thanks. Things for which the listeners are thankful. And I would encourage you to please take part in this. It really means a lot to me. Brittany has expressed that it, it is something that she, one of her favorite things that we do. Yes. I think the Thanksgiving episode last year is one of my favorite things we've ever done. Yeah. And like you, I like the, the, the message that you gave last episode that you could even do a little trickery, mm-hmm. a little message for someone and yeah. then have them listen to the episode and surprise and them and have them be special for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not just them receiving your message. It's the, you know, 10 or 15 people who listen to the show. (laughs) Uh, Yes. We reach a very wide audience. (laughs) Very wide. So please do 657-464-7609 or better yet, email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Start doing it. I need time to compile it because it's not... It's not just slapped together haphazardly like this particular show. <laughs> There's actual effort put into the production of the Thanksgiving episode. So let, we want to hear from you. So, Brittany and I, we had the occasion, we had the opportunity to go to the University of Southern California, USC, to sit in on a lecture by Conrad Hackett, who is a demographer a Princeton-educated demographer with the Pew Research Group. Pew, 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 Or Pew Research Center, as Brittany is silently, uh, how do you say it? 
correcting you're, you're, you? You're mouthing the word center to me, not group. Well, why are you calling it the group? I don't know. I am a, I'm a failed, flawed human being, Brittany. That is true. So, so many things. Aren't we all? <laughs> anyway, it was a, a great lecture. It was super informative of the topic of, or the title of the lecture, I guess, was, you know, where where do we see religion? Now, this won't be the title, but, but a general paraphrase of the topic is, where do we see religion going in the year 2050? Am I fucking just butchering that? So it was the future of the world's religions. Okay. And it was population <laughs> growth projections from 2010 to 2050. So... One of the things that's happening right now, right, uh, this is the popular trend, is that the unaffiliated are the second largest group in the United States. That's right. And The nuns, as they are commonly referred to. Right. That's atheists, agnostics, and then people who just say that they don't really believe in anything. They don't really have a religion. Um, so it's kind and of... I think that number is like 16%. It's a bunch of different thing identities just mixed into one unaffiliated category. Uh, but that category is one of the fastest growing in America. Right. And so this this projection was kind of, you know, where will we be in 2050? We, and we as in humans, religion and humans, not we as in Americans, because it was a global talk. Right. A global talk. So one of the most prominent things is that Muslims are going to overtake Christians and be the majority in 2070. Yeah. That's one of the projections that there will be more Muslims than Christians worldwide. Worldwide by 2070 and the, by about 1%. Right now, right now that percentage is about 33% of the globe is Christian and 25% roughly are Muslim. So there is quite a disparity. It's not like a third and a third and then the rest of the religions make up the other. It's, it's, it's really, there's a lot more Christians at this point globally, but they are projecting that because of uh, fertility, that Muslims are just getting it done in the sack, they're having more babies, thus the religion is growing. It's not necessarily due to conversion. Right. Well, the median age for Muslims is 23. Oh, that's and, right. They're and a young religion. For Jews and the unaffiliated and other religions, it's much older, like yeah. 35 or older. And so they're kind of basing that on the prime age for pumping out more kids. Yeah, right. And one of the notable things that Conrad Hackett said, who I think he's like the lead demographer there. He is, yeah. Um, he said that one of the assumptions they had in making these projections is that children inherit their mother's religion. And I thought that was a very interesting thing that he had said during the lecture. Yeah, that's even, I think, a cultural thing more than, I mean, obviously, you can't really inherit a religion. You have to eventually choose <laughs> to to be a part or not. But yeah, culturally, that is kind of the, the routine. But so in 2050, Christians are still going to be the majority, but the second group the second largest group isn't going to be the unaffiliated. It's going to be Muslims. Mm -hmm. And he said that by 2050, actually, the unaffiliated are going to fall pretty substantially. Worldwide. Right. Yeah. And that was shocking to me, especially when he talked about how um, by 2050, 66 million are going to be leaving Christianity and 61 million are going to be going to the unaffiliated. So Christians are going to be falling by quite a bit. 
And the unaffiliated is going to be growing pretty substantially, but not substantial enough, apparently, in terms of the overall population growth, which I guess is expected to grow 35% by 2050. Right. And well, a lot of this is in, in, in large part because of China. Or as Donald Trump would say, China, China. Uh, China is going through kind of a reformation relative to religion because it it has been a, um, something that has been prohibited for so long. And now people, Chinese, the citizens, are, are getting to choose which camp they fall, and they're you know, falling on, 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 on Christianity. And there's a billion people there to take sides, and that's – it's – one of the reasons why Christianity is going to see a resurgence or a a surge in their numbers. So another interesting thing that Conrad Hackett said during the lecture, I just was writing things down as he was saying. I, I was, was watching you take, that's not how you take notes in school, is it? Or is it just because you had lack of space, you were writing in the margins? Um, this is generally how I take notes. Wow, it's, I mean, it's it's awesome. You have a system, but I wasn't able to follow it. <laughs> It's also my horrible handwriting. Again. Ah, that might be it too. <laughs> so he said, as societies develop, they necessarily secularize. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and he also showed a chart that kind of showed the GDP of the countries, and then very interesting. So the GDP was on the x-axis, and then I believe it was like religiosity on the y-axis, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering that's, correctly. That's right. And the poorer countries tended to be higher in religiosity and the richer countries lower on religiosity. And then the United States is like this massive outlier from all these countries. Way ahead in GDP from everybody and then way up the scale where no one else is in religiosity Mm -hmm. relative to other developed wealthy nations. Right. Like Australia, France, you know, Great Britain are down here and they're all low on the religiosity scale and and wealthy and then there's us who are way ahead of them but then up there it was very weird but you know there's there's a lot of people who do subscribe i would be one of them that where you have high levels of religiosity well let's put it this way where there is suffering where there is poverty where there is starvation where there is general insecurity Religion thrives. And when you have Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iraq, Syria, these countries that were high on the religiosity scale, they're also those same types of countries that are in terrible situations where there is there is warfare. There are people, you know, refugee, terrible situations with refugees who are starving and being tortured and fear of, you know, friendly fire and, you know, ISIS. And it's it's terrible. So by 2050, Christians and Muslims will make up nearly equal shares of the world's population. Christians will be 31.4% and Muslims will be 29.7%. And the unaffiliated are going to be 13.2%. Hmm. Um, so Hindus will be in third and yeah. unaffiliated will be in fourth. But Look, I wonder how Christians feel about this, right? That Muslims are going to be in equal numbers and then surpass them in 2070. Globally, not in the United States yet. No, globally, right. Yeah. They, they, they are projecting Muslims to be, by 2050, I think, the, I think maybe 7% of the population. It, it's, it's not as high as it will be globally, obviously. 
So, and even they say that Jews, which are less than a percent and a half or two percent of the population in the United States, that globally their percentage is like 0.2 percent of the global religious landscape. Jews, 0.2 percent. There's not a lot. And their numbers are going to remain static. They project Mm -hmm. that it'll still be the same because they're just not getting busy and having kids, which I think was a fascinating thing, the whole fertility rate. Right. And we went to this lecture at USC in L.A. I don't know if you already said that. Yeah. And Brittany fell in love with their campus. Yeah, it was so clean. I mean, everywhere we went, it was clean. Yeah. In the elevators, in the library. Were we in the library? Uh, one of the libraries, yeah. It was just clean. The library reminded me of the um, Idaho Capitol building, the Boise Capitol. Yeah, it did, yeah. It was like immaculate. Awesome marble, uh, beautiful wooden inlaid elevator that's not you know scrawled with fucking graffiti. It was nice. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And they provided free snacks. <laughs> I love me some the free snacks. The highlight of Britney's evening <laughs> was the free snacks. Delicious cheese. Really like the cheese. We also got to, you know, talk to, to Conrad Hackett afterward, which was interesting. Right. And I've been a fan of Conrad Hackett's for a very long time. And... um. I know that's weird. Well, it's 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 <laughs> you know, when it's it's like seeing a celebrity. If you if you nerd out about statistics and world religion, he's a guy that you want to, you know, check off your bucket list to to have a conversation with. Which was nice that we did. These events though, I I don't know. I always feel a little uncomfortable and not because I feel like, I feel out of place, but because there's so many uh, People whose heads are straight up their own assholes, feeling so good and smug and just how awesome and smart they are. When they're no smarter than anybody else, they just, I don't know. For me, it's weird. It's like intellect on parade. You know what I mean? Well, I think a lot of times you find that academics, some academics can be like that and they have expertise in this area, right, that they've studied in. And I think that sometimes when they are around other academics, it can just turn into these very... Kind of just going down the rabbit hole? Yeah. And I, yeah, I, don't, that might be it. I don't know if they're trying to do it, but it just kind of happens. Maybe because their you know, education is so specialized in this one area and they just nerd out over it. Um, maybe. Maybe it's just I don't like people who talk with their eyes closed. That could be a problem that you have. There were several of those. There were several of those because I'm also kind of an eavesdropper and I watch people. I'm a people guy. I I watch conversations take place. I listen when maybe I shouldn't be listening because I like to to drink in the human experience. And there was a lot of closed eye talking and I'm not a fan. (laughs) But thank you to USC for hosting Conrad Hackett from the Pew Research Center. Brittany Page. Thank you. It was a good time, and Brittany really enjoyed the snacks. I did. So we have another situation, again, in South Carolina. If, if it wasn't bad enough already in the state of South Carolina for race relations and police versus the citizens relations, we're going to add another category to that. 
intermingling all of the categories. This is police on black violence, and it's police on student violence. Officer Ben Fields is not looking so hot. So this clip I'm getting ready to play is from the much-beloved Shepard Smith from Fox News. And he is going to talk about this incident with this cop. And I need you to, since this isn't video, (laughs) I need you to envision Shepard Smith's face being just the height and definition of contempt for this cop when he's talking. The Justice Department and the FBI now investigating a sheriff's deputy in South Carolina after video shows him flipping a high school student out of her chair and dragging her across the floor. Give me your hands. Let's watch it again, why don't we? <laughs> yeah. Happened yesterday in Columbia. You can see the officer putting his arm around the student's neck, flipping her out of her seat. Then watch after the flip, after the flip here, time for dragging, and here we go, across the room and time for cuffs. According to reports, the student was using her cell phone in class. Investigators say a teacher and an administrator told her to hand it over or leave the classroom. The student refused, so that's why, obviously. The officer's name is Ben Fields. He's now on leave, predictably. The Richland County Sheriff called the incident, quote, disturbing. Jonathan Sari in our Southeast newsroom. Jonathan. Hey, Shep. Well, people watching this same video are having very different reactions. In fact, the chairman of the local school board there, District 2 in Richland County, issued a written statement saying, quote, I have watched the video several times, and there is no doubt that the video is extremely disturbing. The amount of force used on a female student by a male officer appears to me to be excessive and unnecessary, end quote. But others say you need to take this video and similar ones that have surfaced from this classroom in context because they don't show the events, the allegedly disruptive behavior that led to the confrontation. Both the school district and Richland County Sheriff's Office are trying to piece all that together based on stories from witnesses. In addition to the federal investigation, the school district and some legislators have requested that the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, or SLED, also look into the matter. So, Shepard, you potentially have uh, state, local, and federal investigations trying to piece together what happened. Two, Two students got charged, right? They did indeed. There was a second student, another female, who was arrested after she uh, allegedly started voicing her opposition to what this deputy was doing to her fellow classmate. Uh, Both of these students were uh, charged with disturbing schools and were eventually released to their parents. Uh, Meanwhile, the deputy in question, Ben Fields, he's employed by the Richland County Sheriff's Office, but had been assigned to work at that school as a resource officer. In addition to his administrative leave imposed by the sheriff's office, the school district has banned him from returning to school property until these investigations are complete. Shep. So there you go. It is the video, which I'm, it's very likely you've seen because 50% of my Facebook friends have been sharing the video. It is alarming. Here's something I want to talk about, though, about this Fox reporting. He says that 
Ah, oh, they're different reactions, though, to the video. Mm-hmm. And then he reads a quote from the superintendent of schools mm-hmm. who is outraged by this. Right. And then to to indicate the opposite side, he says, some people say blah, 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 blah. Well, who, who, who are these some people? You supplied us with a quote when talking specifically about people who are not happy with this police officer. But then when you want to talk about the people who are opposed on all these people that you're claiming are splitting this issue. No, it's not all people against the cop. There's a lot of people on the other side of this. You can't find one person to quote. You say, oh, it's yeah, some people say blah, blah, blah. Well, they're talking about the troll page. I guess that shouldn't be in the news reporting. Mm-hmm. But there is video. And this cop has been there. There has been two lawsuits over the course of the last 10 years involving this type of thing. Mm -hmm. One, he was acquitted in which there was no video. Mm -hmm. And then one is still in being adjudicated in the courts right now. And at least one of those is with a another black individual. I don't know if the second case is. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, but this the things that I am seeing on Facebook, comments, whether it be on news feeds or just people having a discussion about it, people are saying, well, you haven't, we didn't see what happened before. It, it doesn't matter. She's a fucking kid. Right, because now the claim is, oh, there's a third video that hasn't been released. And in this third video, the claim is that this teenage girl was punching the cop with her fists. Now, in the video that we see, I don't buy it. She looks, you know, hunched over and like looking down, almost like her arms are crossed. And I mean, if you haven't watched the video, really go watch it, please, because he flips her out of this desk. The desk flips over and he drags her across the room. I mean, it is violent, it is aggressive, it's a physical assault. He doesn't just drag her across the room. Once the desk is flipped over, he grabs her by like the, the her pants by her hips. And by her arm. And he throws her. He literally drags and throws her like a sack of flour. I mean, it's it's alarming to watch. And people, I've seen people saying that, you know, this is what you get when you don't listen to the cops. And it's really, she was on her cell phone. She didn't want to give up her cell phone. And then she wasn't leaving the class. That means that someone gets to put their hands on her right. and it, throw her around like a rag doll? That is exactly it. This was not criminal behavior. It just wasn't criminal behavior. He had no right, police officer or not, to put his hands on this child. It reminds me of when I was in high school. Oh. And my best friend and I were passing notes in class and we got busted and my teacher came over to me and tried to grab it from me and then we proceeded to get into a tug of war with my note and I ripped wow. it up really quick because it had some stuff in there that I didn't <laughs> want out. Um <laughs> And I'm just imagining, you know, there's all kinds of situations in high school where kids are not cooperating with you. Right. Well, ki- well it's because kids are dicks. Yes. Kids are snotty. Kids are rebellious. They're going to try to get the upper hand any time that they can over authority because it's that age 
where they're starting to develop their own individuality and independence, and they're pushing against authority as much as they can. It's part of the maturation process. Are you going to fucking wrestle every kid to the ground who who's an asshole in school? That's what I mean. I, I would have been murdered by police in high school and junior high and likely elementary had this been the policy where I was educated. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I mean, that teacher would have just like choke slammed me or something out of my seat to get my note. I mean, this is absurd. And the number of people I've seen defending it, I just do not understand. It's it's sick. And I don't know how to make the people understand either because I've seen people try to say, you know, think of it if it was your kid and you saw your kid being handled like that. Right. For simply not leaving the room. Well, I saw someone answer one of those exact arguments today and he listed like bullet points. Well, one, my kid wouldn't be using their cell phone in a cell phone free environment. And two, my kid would be respectful and not asked to leave class. And three, if he was asked to leave class, he would leave. And four, if the cop came in, he would just shut up. Just you. Everybody's kid is not perfect. In fact, the majority of kids have their moments where they're assholes. It's it's it, it's a part of growing up. Some like me were more asshole than not as children. <laughs> True. But it doesn't rise to the level of criminality. It doesn't rise to the level of having to scuffle with a police officer, which, whether we want to believe it or not, oftentimes ends in injury or death to the person on the on the receiving end of the violence. So I know you want to move on, but I want to make this one last quick point, which is, when are these cops going to kind of take a beat, you know, and pause and really think about what they're doing? Because... You're going to be videotaped. Yeah. So you better get yourself under control and you better not lose it. You need to maintain control. You are being recorded and you're going to lose your job. Look, I've said it before and here's just another opportunity to say the same goddamn thing again. Think about everybody's up in arms right now wondering, oh my God, what's what's with this uptick in police violence? What's in this, this surge in police brutality and police being assholes to the citizenry there is no uptick the only uptick is the that more people possess cameras with video capability now than ever before that's the reason we know more about it that's the reason why and i'm thankful for it because it hopefully will like you just said when is it going to happen that they get their shit together and check themselves hopefully it does cause that Hopefully it will discourage police departments or discourage terrible applicants from for applying for jobs like this. And I know it's unfortunate that that's what has to be the deterrent, but whatever it takes. I yeah. mean, if, if the threat of you being watched is what makes you behave better, then I guess that's what you need. And I, I guess that's what works. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode 
as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Big news, big movement in the polls on both sides of the aisle. Dolomocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Let's start with the Democrats. Hillary Clinton is no longer in such a tight race in Iowa. It seems as though, and I'm not going to be tooting my own horn here, but just imagine it playing in the background. It seems that Joe Biden leaving the race has really given Hillary Clinton a boost because with him not there to throw their support behind, the the citizens of Iowa are now largely favoring Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton has surged to a 41-point lead in the first caucus state of Iowa, according to results out Tuesday from the latest Monmouth University poll surveying likely Democratic caucus goers. Clinton earned the support of nearly two in three likely participants in next February's caucus with 65%. Her next closest competitor, Bernie Sanders, took 24%. And in third place, Martin O'Malley with 5%. And Harvard Law professor Larry Lizig follows one, 1%, with 1%. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, may, will he be a new person that we see in the debates? I don't... Uh, 1%? You'd think they'd give him some kind of platform. Yeah. He was on uh, Bill Maher's show a few weeks ago. Hmm. He needs a, he needs some kind of platform. He is polling. He is, he's in the mix. Yeah. He, he should be, especially now that, uh, you know, Jim Webb... And Chafee. And Chafee, you're out of the race. You another guy in there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just the Democrats where there, there has been a shakeup. The Republicans as well. Uh, ben Carson has now overtaken, not just in Iowa, but Ben Car- Carson has overtaken Donald Trump nationally in the polls. A New York Times slash CBS News poll has Carson in the top spot among Republican voters at 26 percent, while Trump sits at 22 percent. While the four point advantage is within the margin of error, it's the first time Trump hasn't been in the lead in a national poll since July. And he's not happy about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, of well, course. Does he, I mean, doesn't he just not believe the polls? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that that's true, too. <laughs> that, was a, that was good. That was, was really good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is obviously so, an obvious. It's an easy statement to make that he's not happy about it. But he is. It seems like he's making crazy statements, extra crazy statements now to maybe <laughs> get re- back in the running, rekindle some of that magic from a couple months ago. Um, this first thing. Really, some of these are just for comic relief because he's such just a fucking hairpiece. You know, he's just ugh. in this first clip. He is making a comment about women wearing burkas. And I need to kind of illustrate audibly to you what he's doing, what he's saying. He's whenever you hear him, he doesn't use the word burka. He says, you know, the whatever, whatever they're called. Or, you know, he makes some allusion to it that way. But but then he. When he when he he makes this noise like wah, wah, and he's when he does that he he drags his hand over his face like he's wearing the veil like a burqa, 
Anyway, listen to the wisdom of Donald Trump on women wearing burqas. We want to give people freedom? We're not going to have our own freedom pretty soon if we keep doing this. We're not going to have our own freedom. They're not going to, they don't want freedom. It's like I saw somebody, I won't even say because it's embarrassing. We want it where the women over there don't have to wear the you-know-what. And then I said, oh, well, that makes sense. That's nice. Then I saw women interviewed. They said, we want to wear them. We've worn them for a thousand years. Why would anybody tell us not to? They want to. What the hell are we getting involved for? In fact, it's easier. You don't have to put up makeup. Look how beautiful everyone looks. Wouldn't it be easier? Wah. Right? Wouldn't that be easy? I'll tell you, if I was a woman, I don't want to. Wah. I'm ready, darling. Let's go. It's true. So that's yeah. <laughs> you see you seem befuddled. Well, so it's <laughs> it's basically offensive. I mean, of course it um, is. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> they, they aren't. You really are at a loss for words right well, now. Well, they aren't wearing burkas because they don't want to get ready. <laughs> like they're they're not wearing the burqa, and then all of them are just like wearing pajamas with their hair not done and stuff. <laughs> In fact, when I see uh, women, when I see women, you know, wearing different types of veils at my school, they always have very beautiful makeup and they look very done up oh, yeah. underneath. Well, we we have the shopping mall here, South Coast Plaza or even Fashion Island near here. We have the shopping mall here. Well, it's the famous weirdo <laughs> place that's, you know, if I wanted to go buy a $250,000 watch, I can drive fewer than five miles away. And mm-hmm. go buy it in a shopping mall. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's not a fucking Zales in there. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a two-story Tiffany's. <laughs> That's true. In in our shopping mall, mm-hmm. and we see people walking around there in their, you know, their 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 black ghost outfit, and uh, uh, what? Jesus Christ. Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Just, just a tremendous lack of bias-free language. Anyway, so we see these these lovely ladies who, by their own choice and hand, are wearing their religious garment. Mm-hmm. And... They are shopping in high fashion, high dollar places because underneath their religiously relevant, culturally wonderful garments that they're wearing, they're wearing high fashion shit. Underneath, they look real good, real is good. what you're saying. Yeah. And so Donald Trump is like, yeah, ev- look at everybody here in the front row. You all look great. Wouldn't it have just been so much easier to put that whoo, whoo, put that thing on? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. What is what is wrong with him? <laughs> it is unbelievable. Oh, it gets better. He was at some kind of an, uh, a, a, a town hall meeting, a, a, a pancake and question session. With Matt Lauer. That is my worst nightmare. And he was asked a question by a participant about people telling him no. We've got one of those undecided here. This is Jill Casey, mother of two, registered Republican. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Mr. Trump, with the exception of your family, have you ever been told no? Oh, many times. I've been told no by him. Many, many times. I mean, my whole life really has been a no. And I fought through. I have been 
and you know, I talk about it. it. It's not been easy for me. It has not been easy for me. And you know, I, I started off in Brooklyn. My father gave me a small loan of a million dollars. I came into Manhattan, and I had to pay him back, and I had to pay him back with interest. But I came into Manhattan. I started buying up properties, and I did great. And then I built the Grand Hyatt, and I got involved with the conventions. So I did a good job. But I was always told that that would never work. Even my father, he said, "You don't want to go to Manhattan. That's not our territory." Because he was from Brooklyn and Queens, where we did, you know, smaller things. And he said, don't go to Manhattan. That's not our territory. But he was very proud of me. But all my life, I was told, no. Even for this. I mean, they said, oh, what do you want to do it for? Don't do it. Don't do it. You're against professional politicians. So far, I'm not impressed. I will tell you that. By the way, let's just put this in perspective. You said it hasn't been easy for you, but my dad gave me a million-dollar no, loan. That, that probably is going to seem you're pretty right. easy to well, a lot of right. people. But a million dollars isn't very much compared to what I've built. Right. I mean, I built one of the great companies. and But it's always been... You know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. It's always been that, and, you know, and that's what I want to do for the country. Boo fucking who, guy. My dad gave me a million-dollar loan, and I had to pay interest. <laughs> Is he kidding? And this was in the 80s, or maybe even the late 70s that this happened. So it really was more like, you know, 5 or $10 million that was given to him by those those standards well and i've also seen reports that he ended up inheriting like 200 million dollars yeah or something. 150 or 200 million dollars so i mean i just it's again i'm i'm having a difficult time here because <laughs> i mean this level of disconnect from reality is very confusing for me yeah and well it's akin to when or it's not akin to, it's ex- almost exactly the same thing as when Hillary Clinton said they were dead broke when they left the White House. They had two mortgages, two expensive apartments, uh, an expensive apartment in Georgetown that she had to pay the mortgage on, and their giant, beautiful house in Chappaqua, New York. It, right. It's just out of touch with everyday mainstream Americans. Well, for Donald Trump to say he's been told no his whole life, right. your last name is Trump. Yeah. And your dad is who he is. Yeah. Don't try to tell me that you've been told no your whole life when you are Donald Trump. It's insulting. (laughs) It means you think the majority of the American people within the sound of your voice are stupid. And they're going to believe anything you say because you're Donald Trump. Well, listen, I mean, I don't want to discount that he has probably, you know, he worked hard and he, of course, you know, was a a shrewd businessman. But he went to a very expensive school. Ivy League. He was afforded opportunities that enabled him to become the successful man he is because he came from money. He is the definition of privileged. His father, he didn't have to struggle and get a job and work through college. His father paid for his Ivy League education, which right there is a head start. That in and of itself is a fucking head start. Right. And then $1 million loan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. So he could strike it out there on his own. He, You're in the fucking family business. Anyway, ugh, this guy, when is he going to go away? Help is at hand. Everyone within the sound of my voice now should be happy that Ben Carson has finally unseated Donald Trump from the throne of number one in the polls. It's a wonderful thing. All right, one more clip in this Dollamocracy segment, and it is John Kasich, fan favorite. 
or at least Jesse Dollimore's favorite on the Republican ticket right now, yes. or the Republican side. Um, John Kasich, I don't know if this is just a, a move for the debate or what, but this is a pre this was a pre-debate rally with his supporters, and John Kasich seems a little edgy, a little fed up with everything. And he is uh, reinventing himself as a candidate, not on positions, but on demeanor. Do you know how crazy this election is? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm about had it with these people. And let me tell you why. We got one candidate that says that we ought to abolish Medicaid and Medicare. You ever heard of anything so crazy as that? Telling our, our people in this country who are seniors or about to be seniors that we're going to abolish Medicaid and Medicare? We got one person saying we ought to have a 10% flat tax that will drive up the, the deficit in this country by trillions of dollars that my daughters will spend the rest of their lives having to pay off. You know, and I say to them is, why don't we have no taxes? Just get rid of them all. And then a chicken in every pot on top of it. We got one guy that says we ought to take 10 or 11 million people and pick them up. We're the, I don't know where we're going to go in their homes, their apartments. We're going to pick them up and we're going to take them to the border and scream at them to get out of our country. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. That is just crazy. We got people proposing health care reform that's going to leave... I believe millions of people without adequate health insurance. What has happened to our party? What has happened to the conservative movement? I gotta tell you something, I've got a plan, just like we had in Washington when I worked with Mike DeWine to get the budget balanced, just like we did in Ohio with Mary Taylor and the members of the legislature. We didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and come up with hysterical and ridiculous programs that won't work. We had to make things work. We had to reform them. We had to pay no attention to the people who, you know, in here whining about, well, don't touch my program. We don't care about that. You know why? Because you come first and they come dead last. The people that get in the way of progress come dead last in my career and in my life. And the people we're going to lift are the people that go to work every day and play by the rules and fight for their families, their communities, our state, and our country. And that's what I am going to continue to do. So we're going to go and ship all these people out of America, right? We got one candidate to claim, one candidate that actually said that the reason why we signed an agreement with Ford to bring jobs back from Mexico is because he's been yelling for the last week, okay? I know Back to the Future, the movie, without, you know, the 30th anniversary was last week. That was like something out of a Back to the Future movie. We made that agreement in 2011 for the simple reason that we knew what we were doing in Ohio. We know how to balance budgets and grow jobs and, and do workforce training. Look at where Ohio is today compared to where it just was a, a few years ago. Now we're doing terrific. We still have our challenges. It's not over yet, but we work together. One, one of the candidates says he's known as a veto Corleone. He's so proud of the fact that he vetoes everything. You know what vetoes are? Vetoes are a sign you can't get what you want. I have to veto some legislation, but by and large, we try to work together to solve problems. 
You know, folks, we better be careful that we don't turn this country over to somebody who's not capable of running it. Because somebody with wild ideas that thinks they can scream and bluster or operate their way to success, it's my kids that are going to be at risk, and your kids, and your grandchildren, and all of us. So why don't we grow up? Why don't we get a reality check on what the heck needs to be done in this country? Yeah, we can save Social Security. We should get rid of it. We can save Medicare and Medicaid. And Medicaid here in Ohio, we reduced its growth from 10% down to 2.5%. And not one person went off the rolls. And we didn't cut one benefit. Because we know how to fix things, reform things, change things. We don't abolish them. And our families, are you kidding me? We're going to scare the living daylights out of children because we're going to tell them that we're going to pick up their mom and dad and ship them out of the country? This is, not, this is not the America that I know. These are not the kinds of things we need to be doing in this country. So I want you to know I'm fed up. I am sick and tired of listening to this nonsense, and I'm going to have to call it like it is as long as I'm in this race. So in that New York Times CBS News poll, John Kasich received uh, 4%. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's feeling like, you know, he needs to mix it up a little bit. Now or never kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. That he needs to kind of lash out at these people that are the front runners that he perceives as not quality candidates. Well, being super easygoing, nice guy isn't getting it done because no one talks about you because you can't rise above the noise. That, that are, that's being made by the crazy comments of both Ben Carson and Donald Trump because the media eats that shit up. So hopefully, hopefully for John Kasich's sake, they'll be able to latch onto this new passion and and he'll get a little bit of sanity into the conversation. I also just quickly want to mention in APGFK poll that came out, they asked who could possibly win the general election just out of all the candidates. Mm -hmm. And Clinton came in first with 75%. Mm -hmm. Bush, 48%, tied with Trump at 48%. Uh, Notice, though, notice that all three of those names are very popular and well-known. Right. That's typically, unfortunately, how the American electorate works especially this far away from the actual election. And Sanders was at 44%. And since we just talked about Kasich, he was at 16%. Oh, well, you know, hopefully after the the debate, that won't be the case. If you are noticing that this episode is conspicuously debate-free, we would encourage you to check out the bonus Republican debate episode that took place on CNBC. This particular bonus episode will be, like the last one, available to our general listenership. But next time, it's going to be Patreon only. So if you appreciate what we do here, and you appreciate the bonus episodes that you have had uh, ability to to get when they first come out, we would encourage you to stop by patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore and join the ranks, the growing ranks of those who are our patrons, you know, for 25 cents an episode, that's $2 a month. That's, that's a bargain. (laughs) Even though this is a free podcast, 
we are really going looking forward to a lot more bonus content. All of the debates, and then we are brainstorming right now with ideas to bring exclusive content to our Patreon subscribers. So the CNBC debate, the criteria that was used for the candidates to make it in, all candidates averaging at least 2.5% in CNBC-recognized national polls between September 17th and October 21st. And then there was a secondary debate where the remaining candidates averaging at least 1% had their own little, <laughs> little sitch. Right. So you can hear all that on the bonus episode. It should be in your podcatcher. It's just in the feed as the bonus third Republican debate episode. So we appreciate our Patreon supporters very much as well should you if you are accessing those bonus debates because they are brought to you by Patreon supporters. So let's let's talk about this article, Brittany, eh, that you brought to my attention, the that was in the personality and social psychology bulletin that men love smart women until they have to actually talk to them. <laughs> Researchers at the University of Buffalo, California Lutheran University, and the University of Texas at Austin published a study in the November edition of Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin that may confirm a fact we've long dreaded. In a study of 105 men, researchers proposed two scenarios. In the first... A woman either outperformed or underperformed the men in a math or English course and then instructed the men to imagine this woman as a romantic partner. In this scenario, men more frequently gave the woman who bested them the higher ranking. But in a second scenario, men were given an intelligence test and then told they were about to meet a woman who had done better than them on the test. Men who were presented with this proposal distanced themselves more from her, tended to rate her as less attractive, and showed less desire to exchange contact information or plan a date with her. According to the researchers, this revealed that men felt threatened when faced with an in-real-life interaction with a more intelligent woman. That is anathema to me. I don't get it. I really don't understand that because I am drawn to smart, secure women, especially romantically. Well, they say this is a small sample size, and so it's not, you know. They're, they're not just saying all men are insecure douches. No, it's <laughs> it's not set in stone, but these are interesting findings, and it is kind of an interesting study. Yeah. And it is kind of sad. Well, it's this is, I don't know if you know, Brittany Page, but it's 2015. We are nearing 2016 here in a couple months. What what's going on with men having to be me? Um, I'm the smart one, and I can't handle a, a, a smart lady who might challenge me and my little pea brain. I, it's treating women as anything less than equal is fucking weird to me. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of along this lines, although this is more. I mean, it's tragic. It's one of those things where yeah, this is hilarious. But it's kind of funny, but it's really just tragic. And it's rooted in religion. Speaking of the roles of women. I read this article about FLDS, the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. They are fundamentalist Mormons. If you've ever heard of, of, uh, of Warren Jeffs, the guy who's in prison right now for child molestation and all kinds of other charges. These are 
Mormons who still believe in polygamy, they believe what the original Mormon church believed. They still teach that. You often see them, you know, on the TV dressed in the colonial garb. The pioneer gear. Right. And (laughs) they live in their own kind of secluded communities. Right. They have their own police forces. If you've ever watched the TV show Big Love on HBO, it's what the compound is. It really is just like that. I think reality shows like The Sister Wives have kind of popularized, I guess. Yeah, they've painted a different face on what really it is like, though. Well, there's this article that talks about this job application that they gave to these only the female students, and it was a job application they needed to fill out for the job of mother. And these were some of the questions that were asked on the job application. This is for the job title of mother. Mm-hmm. And you need to have previous training. It says you <laughs> you must be trained in the celestial ways. Celestial ways. Right. You learned to always put priesthood first. That means men. Learned to honor and obey parents. Mm-hmm. Learned to pray. Learned to be kind and loving to others. Learned to be neat and clean. Learned to work well with children. And these are all yes or no questions. You just circle which one. So it's easy. So they don't have to expend too much brain power writing down stuff. Yes. Other training and skills. Sewing, cooking, Mm. gardening, musical, creative, energetic. Lots of scrapbooking when you're a Mormon. Oh, and they say all skills and talents can and must be improved upon. So if you say, yes, you can garden, you better get better at it as yeah, time goes on. Yeah. You better be the best gardener, gardener. that has ever existed. Gardness. <laughs> so required tools for qualification. And then you just have to put a check mark by these ones. Heavenly smiles. Uh, what? What? That must be FLDSEs. Yeah, I don't know. It says check all that you have acquired. So apparently heavenly smiles are something that you can acquire. Hmm. Uh, Forgiveness, soft tones, I'm out. Faith, humility, persuasion through love, consistency, patience, unshakable sweetness. Again, I'm out. (laughs) Continual prayers. That seems like a lot of work. That's... Continual, yeah. maybe one or two, but continual. I think it says continue. It's kind of sm- it says continual, unconditional <laughs> love, giving of yourself. Mm, yeah, giving of yourself. How are you going to have a bunch of fucking kids if you're not constantly giving of yourself? So th- this is a payment. Salary will be paid in full when you see your children called on and used by the prophet. Mm. So I guess wow. that is going to take a while to get that money paid. Yeah. And for the fact that he's in prison right now. <laughs> Apparently, this was a business class assignment giving, given to a student in the seventh grade in an FLDS RAN school. God damn. So seventh grade. So listen, obviously business class. I'm I'm laughing and making jokes here because it's easy to do so. But this is tragic. There are some estimates are between 50 and 100,000 people living in polygamy in in Utah. There, There are thousands of people who are subjected to this type of insanity. And it's terrible. I mean, it's. 
well, let's let's get into the next thing before we'll, we'll then we'll wrap up. I saw this. I think Mashable shared this, and it is. I think it was advice for single ladies in the 1930s. Yeah, 1938. Why don't you read some of those little nuggets? Do your dressing in your boudoir to keep your <laughs> alert. Well, we know that it's that it's 1938 because they're using boudoir rather than bedroom or fucking makeup area. Be ready to go when your date arrives. Don't keep him waiting. Greet him with a smile. <laughs> well, that's nice. That's courteous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. Don't sit in awkward positions and never look bored, even if you are. <laughs> yes, that that's terrible. Why would someone look bored when they are? <laughs> I would be terrible. Maybe at this. that advice should be pick a different date so you're not fucking bored around this boring borehole. No, it says be alert and if you must, chew gum, parenthetically not advised, do it silently, mouth closed. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Be alert? Like be yeah. on the alert for rapists or no, something? No, if you're if you're starting to get bored, you can chew gum as a way to keep yourself oh. awake while this boring <laughs> turd is running his mouth. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, decent advice, although a little weird. These are also accompanied by pictures. We'll share this on the Facebook page. Men don't like girls who borrow their handkerchief. Again, this is not something that is applicable to modernity. And smudge them with lipstick. Make up in privacy, not where he sees you. <laughs> I like the extra, the extra mustard you put on that one. Care- not where he sees you. <laughs> careless women never appeal to gentlemen. I don't know. I've known a couple of careless gals in my life. Mm. They are, they were very appealing. All right. <laughs> don't talk while dancing. For when a man dances, he wants to dance. Uh- that to me is hilarious because how did they fucking survey every man that to generally say, well, when a man's dancing, he doesn't want to talk to your dumb ass. He wants to he wants to get his dance on. Yeah. This is another dated one. If you need a brassiere, wear one. Don't tug at your girdle and be careful your stockings are not wrinkled. If if you need a bra, wear one. Mm-hmm. I know brassiere, but if you need one, wear one. Yes. Was this a time where ladies weren't wearing the... Well, actually, bra technology probably wasn't super awesome in 1938. So only the ladies who really, you know, needed one or one. Don't use the car mirror to fix your makeup. Man needs it in driving. (laughs) And it annoys him very much to have to turn around to see what's behind him. So he drives like my mom. And it annoys him to have to turn around. Right. How dare you briefly, momentarily use the mirror. Your The man needs it. That's how I was taught to drive. I was told never to look over my shoulder. I was taught how to drive like people from the 1930s. <laughs> okay. Cars had only been around for a couple of decades. Don't be familiar with your escort by caressing him in public. Any open show of affection is in bad taste, usually embarrasses or humiliates him. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, listen, I think there, 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 there's something to be said. I don't know about caressing. It's not like she's, you know, getting gone crazy. Just a little, a little, a little touching's fine. Mm-hmm. 1938. This is something I'm real good at. Don't talk about clothes 
or try to describe your new gown to a man. <laughs> Please and flatter your date by talking about the things he wants to talk about. <laughs> Listen, ladies, this is some good advice. Talk about stuff your man wants to talk about. Otherwise, how are you going to keep him interested? Don't talk about your gown. <laughs> how did we... I don't even know how we survived. How did we make it to where we are now when this was the kind of advice that was being published for women? I mean, to be honest, Cosmopolitan's not much away. We're, we're not too far developed mm -hmm. because we still have publications like Cosmopolitan. Right. Just to give you a quick um, tidbit about Cosmopolitan. I've probably talked about this on the show before. but uh, It was at least a year ago. But we'll bring it up again because it is Are you talking about so the... If you, you're, Don't ruin it. So once I read... <laughs> this was pretty recently within the last couple of years. I read in a Cosmopolitan magazine that when your man has a successful day at work, that is the perfect time to reward him... With anal sex. Anal. If he has a good week at work, mm -hmm. you give up the balloon knot. Okay. Offer up the pooper. That's... That's what dudes love when they have a good day at work. That is what Cosmopolitan was claiming. <laughs> so listen, well, first of all, every Cosmopolitan magazine is the same. I, how are there thousands of different issues? They're like <laughs> thousands of ways that your man wants his penis to be touched. Just touch it. Like, that's it. It's not a fucking mystery. Yeah, I well, think that's a joke that someone else told, by the way. That's not my own thing. I just want to specify. Here's the thing. Is that Cosmo is... I don't know how we were... I said we were wrapping it up. Apparently, we're not wrapping it up. Cosmo is read, I would think, primarily by, like, you know, girls coming into their sexuality. Yeah, like and teenagers. kind of finding their sexuality. Yeah. And it's damaging for, for a 16 or 17-year-old girl to read... How you really, you do good by your man is if he has a good week, you let him, you let him in the back door. Yeah, it's horrific. I mean, listen, if you're into that, do that. But you don't need a magazine that, that uh, we have the secrets all over the cover. Oh, the seven mysterious spots on your man's dick. It, there's one spot. It's anywhere. <laughs> That's the spot. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. I, so I guess we have progressed in some ways, and then in others, there's still a market for lunacy. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. With that lunacy, we will leave you. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Seriously. 167 episodes. It blows my mind. Brittany and I were talking the other day about how far we've come and how much different the show is from the first, you know, 10 or so shows. And it, seriously, it's, uh, we, I thank you guys more than you know, we talk about how thankful we are that we've been allowed the audience that we have. You're beautiful. Don't forget to send in your Thanksgiving thankful thank thank episode submissions. We are looking for them and eagerly awaiting them. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. While you're doing things for the show, why don't you go rate and review us? 
We love you. We appreciate you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Wouldn't it have just been so much easier to put that whoo, whoo, put that thing on? <laughs> wah, yeah. Wah. What is what is wrong with him? <laughs> it is unbelievable. 